Hi, I'm Chris Wigley, Chief Executive at Genomics England, and you're listening to The G Word. Today, we're very excited to share one of the brilliant sessions from the last Genomics England Research Summit, where Gillian Hastings-Ward, who's the chair of our participant panel, spoke with Baroness Nicola Blackwood, who's the chair of the board at Genomics England, about the importance of patients being at the heart of research. Listen on to find out more about the impact of trust, ethics, and supporting research from those who have lived experience. Enjoy. It is a tremendous pleasure to be here. It is really um, one of the great honours um, of my entire career to chair mm. Genomics England. Obviously, I have um, a personal reason for that with a rare disease myself that took me so long to get diagnosed. And so the mission and the purpose of Genomics England could not be more important. But the reason, as we've just heard from Chris and Sue, that this can work and it can be so successful is because of the patient and the public trust in the custody of this very precious genomic data, which Genomics England holds and which it operates in partnership with NHS England. And we have to thank for that our amazing participants panel, which is chaired by Gillian Hastings-Ward so successfully. Gillian has a personal stake in making sure that the way in which we manage and we operate, not just the structures and the way in which we work at Genomics England, but also those who can access and use that data for the purposes of improving diagnostics and improving therapeutics for the patients who are in that part of um, the infinity loop that you've just seen. And so, Gillian, why don't you explain about the panel, explain a little bit why you are chairing it and your background as to why you have learned so effectively um, to hold us to account and to help us improve the structures at Genomics England. Go ahead. My family and I signed up in 2015 for the, uh, the 100,000 Genomes Project, um, looking for answers for my son, who is severely disabled. And we did get a result through the project. He has a GRIN1 gene variant, and in fact, he was the first person diagnosed by the NHS with that gene variant um, directly as a result of the project. And our particular variant is now added to the panel of genes which are looked at mm. by everybody, among um, everyone in the room here, um, and everyone else looking at children who have um, the same conditions that, that he has. Um, the involvement that the participant panel has had at Genomics England began in 2016. Uh, the participant panel was set up and people whose genomes were in the 100,000 Genomes Project were invited to put themselves forward um, to come and hold Genomics England to account, as you say. So we have um, about 25 people now on the participant panel. All of them either have their own genomes in the programme or are the primary carers of people who do. And that gives us that lived experience, which is irreplaceable when it comes to being able to tell the people running the programmes how they're really working in practice. And I think that's something which we've been able to bring a sense of, um, sort of sense checking to it. You know, the best will in the world programmes are designed for to be delivered through very complicated structures in the NHS. And we're here to sort of road test them and see what happens in practice. Well, I mean, I've certainly found as I've come in, at, in as chair, having that kind of personal perspective has been mission critical and it's helped us as we've designed the genomic medicine service, make sure that it's usable, make sure that the consent process works. But can you give me a bit of a perspective about what you think um, Genomics England could do to improve um, the relationship perhaps between participants and researchers, make that process work faster? Some examples maybe of how you think the participant panel has really um, changed the, the the dynamic um, of the way the system has been working. 
Thank you. Well, the panel meets four times a year and we have the opportunity to invite anybody involved with Genomics England to come and tell us what they're up to. And we can ask them directly how we think it's working and um, um, tell them from our patient and participant perspective about what really works for us. And, and that ability to call anybody in has been phenomenally helpful. I think um, the ways that we're involved at the moment, we have um, panel representatives sitting on the access review committee who decide who gets access to all the data which is in the NGRL. And we also um, send participants to Ethics Advisory Committee and the various other structures within Genomics England that help to oversee what happens to the data. And I think even just physically being there and reminding everybody that every data point has a face and that we are some of those faces is really helpful. More recently, we have been involved in trying to help the, the massively expanded staff at Genomics England um, get a handle on, on that, the fact that they are basically going to be helping to get answers for real people out there. And one of the things that I'm most proud of recently has been the language guide, which I'll just hold up here. But here's our guide, and that's been um, written entirely by the participant panel um, and uh, colleagues at Genomics England who've been able to advise on the kind of terminology and the language around how the researchers might be able to explain to participants what up to and also help researchers understand how people with rare conditions and um, other reasons for being in the project like to be talked about because I think there's still the medical uh, viewpoint coming in can sometimes feel quite harsh to a human being living with some of these conditions maybe you found well, that I, yourself well yes exactly so what I was one last question I was going to ask you is you know structures are important and I think that the participant panel being right at the heart of genomics England so that it holds not only the board to account for the way we build genomics England we build our services we design the way in which we engage with the NHS and everyone else but also who can access data. It builds external trust. And you, to be honest, are, are some of our greatest champions in the way in which we drive forward genomics and genomics healthcare in the UK. Um, but culture is just as important. And I sometimes wonder, what does it feel like to be the participant, the patient, within those structures, within the very medicalised environment? Is there something that all of us can be doing to make that work better, to improve co-production and the way in which we design our services so that we can really drive this... Um, agenda forward faster and better for the benefit of patients like yourselves and your family? I would love to spend half a day talking about that, to be honest, but I think there's a couple of key things. I think trying to make sure that everybody who's around the table has an equal voice when it comes to co-producing a research project is really important. So the researchers obviously bring their scientific expertise, clinicians come with the scientific and the medical knowledge, but I think patients and their families can also bring a lot of lived experience. As Chris mentioned earlier, you naturally become an expert in the condition that affects your family because you want to find out more answers. And I think um, the energy that comes with having a rare condition and wanting to do something to make it better for yourself and for your people like you is a really powerful driving force in, in moving forward. And I think we need to make sure that people who are bringing that lived experience to the table are listened to but also aren't taken advantage of in the sense that we need to make sure that they get something back out of the programme as well. Because I think that um, we're getting quite good at saying, well, we need to listen to participants now. But I think what we need to see next is, is what happens as a result of listening. And I think there's still more that could be done there in terms of, um, wouldn't it be great if Genomics England could help to bring together rare patient groups, for example, with more of the people who have the skills to help find answers for them and move forward? 
um, I think at different stages and different scales of programme, there's something worth saying as well. So at the very macro scale, um, Genomics England has been expanding enormously over the last few years. The range of things that they're doing now is phenomenal. And just um, as a participant panel, trying to keep track of all of that has proved quite tricky. <laughs> so to know where we should be focusing our efforts is something some can be quite a challenge. At the, the programme level, I think we've all upskilled a lot. People on the participant panel have learned a lot of jargon over the last few years, starting from whole genome sequencing and what that really means. But I think also bringing the confidence of believing that your lived experience is a useful contribution to the conversation is something which can take a bit of practice. And I think the way that it's been done here where um, Genomics England's participant panel members are offered um, a financial contribution for their time is really important because it sets that level playing field rather than just being a volunteer in, in a room full of professionals. You know that you're, you're there on an equal footing and that really helps. But in terms of individual projects, I think there's, a, there's always a balance to be struck between when you should be thinking about bringing patients and participants into your project planning. I think if you do it too early, then it's a, you're presenting them with a, a blank sheet of paper yeah. and a blue, yeah. two, two blue sky isn't particularly helpful because people can't really grasp what you may be aiming for. But if you leave it too late, then you may have a project plan in place which doesn't have any flexibility left for seeking to take on board the advice that you get from the participants and the patient representatives who may have suggested a slightly different approach to collecting um, information about people or, or um, uh, um, uh, how, you, how you might yeah. go about um, working together. Yeah, I think, and just to summarise then, I think the lived experience that families and, and patients have, um, we can get much better at helping harness that in a way which is useful for researchers. And hopefully we can all get into the same conversations about where we all want to go together which will be mutually beneficial. I don't think there's going to be anyone here today who can doubt the value that though having those with lived experience, having participants and having them embedded within your system can bring. But I also think that one of the most important things is to understand you have to build a sustainable system and really invest in building those relationships. And we are incredibly lucky to have you, Gillian. Um, thank you so much for your time. I know that we're going to take um, a couple of questions um, and I think Viv is gonna help us uh, with that wherever she is <laughs> within the crowd. <laughs> up uh, to help you with the questions. Are there any questions? Because if you haven't got one, I've certainly got lots. <laughs> I uh, have no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, what I would say to any researchers, to you uh, there online, uh, wherever you are, actually to participant involvement in research, even at the most basic level, people think of blue skies research as not being something that participants can get involved in, perhaps because they think they're not going to be able to understand the science. But actually, patient insight at those early stages can be absolutely critical in cutting off avenues that are not worthwhile pursuing and really illustrating where they should be pursued. Yes, and they can also make um, existing tools better and more appropriate for communities as well. So we know, for example, the, um, uh, the ORCA um, uh, performance measure, which is called Observer Reported uh, communication ability. So that's a measure which is, um, has been developed, been driven by the Angelman syndrome community um, in partnership with Duke University in the States. And what they have done is they have um, uh, come up with a way of measuring their non-verbal children's uh, communication abilities in such fine detail that it is something which can measure change even in a child whose communication ability is very, very limited. And that's going to help us yeah. um, be able to um, demonstrate the effectiveness of any treatments that get developed in the near future.
The most important thing here, though, Nicola, is about communities, isn't it, of people with the same disorder, because bringing them together with the researchers that we have in Genomics England and the data is an extraordinary resource. Well, it's incredibly valuable, and given the um, increasingly complex um, and um, and, and multimodal data sets which we're beginning to develop, um, the opportunity that Genomics England has in order to work with the patient community and um, the participants who are incredibly engaged and involved and driven to drive forward that um, communication with researchers um, in order to um, help them to understand the um, outcomes of that data and the opportunity there for research um, is, is huge. And I think it's something that we really can only offer in the UK. And so I know at Genomics England, we're looking into opportunities um, to help researchers, uh, not just here, um, but across the country, whether they're in SMEs um, or they're in um, academic institutions. And so uh, do contact our team. I know they'll be delighted to help. And very briefly, I know some uh, researchers are a bit frightened of patients and participants, uh, but <laughs> we can help them introduce them to nice patients who are going to be really helpful. Well, I think, um, you know, pa patients who are engaged enough to want to speak to researchers have something driving them, which makes them want to make things better for themselves and their families. And that knowledge can only be a good thing if we can share it with the right researchers at the right time and uh, together formulate those questions. Well, I think one, one of the biggest challenges um, with driving forward and accelerating uh, research is finding participants and finding them quickly. And if you can lower the barrier to making it easier for access, the only way you can really understand that is understanding the lives of your participants. And so you're going to have to speak to your participants to understand that. Fabulous, fabulous. So there's a shout out to all of you and to all of you online. We can put you in touch with patients and uh, their families and carers, and we can make your research so much better with the involvement of patients. And quicker and more cost effective. Quicker and more cost effective. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay, very good. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do give us a five-star review. This really helps others to find out about the podcast. And if you have any suggestions of topics or guests, do get in touch with us at podcast at genomicsengland.co.uk. That's podcast at genomicsengland.co.uk. Join in the national conversation on genomics, and we'll see you on the next episode of The G Word. <laughs>